Hi everyone, Demetrius McRae here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. As we are in our season of healing, just so you know, we are worshiping on campus and making sure that our worship experiences are safe and sanitary. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. In theology, there is a term called Christus Victor. It does not mean, it simply means this. It, it does not mean that we fight for victory. We don't even fight from victory. Christus Victor says we fight with victory. That Jesus has already won the victory. And that in any situation, we never come to it hoping to win, but we take the already finished victory and we leverage it in every situation, no matter how dark, how painful, how troublesome, we have the victory. Is there anybody in the room that knows this morning, you already have the kind of victory you need to do what you're called to do? Well, I feel like preaching just a little bit. If you're not standing and you're able, if you would just stand one more time, I promise I'm going to stand a whole lot longer than you. Come on, somebody. Uh, I'm not Pastor Rayleigh. Today you are stuck with Pastor Josh. Come on, somebody. And uh, I feel like preaching just a little bit. Pastor Rayleigh and Pastor Dawn, they're at our uh, Sea Life location in Orlando, our church in Orlando. We are one church. We have seven locations. Outside of this building, there are seven churches that carry Calvary's name in some way, shape, or form, whether that's New Smyrna Beach, Panama City, Palm Coast. Come on, somebody. That's a good place to praise God. Racine, Wisconsin, Bowling Green, Kentucky, and more are to come. So today you've got me, but I feel like preaching just a little bit. If you'll let me preach it like I feel it. Is that all right? And uh, I feel like God has given me a prophetic word. I'm, I'm, I'm going to warn you, not only do I feel like preaching, uh, today's word is going to be a little bit deep. Amen. Is that okay to go a little deeper in God today? So you're going, you might need a notebook and you might need to, uh, you might need to get out some notes and take some notes. I'm going to do my best to, to give it to you like God gave it to me. Because the truth is in this time frame that we're in, you, you cannot afford to come to church and try to remain in comfort. You, you have to allow yourself to be changed because of the challenge. Nothing will change you if it does not challenge you. Come on, somebody. If you want to remain in comfort in this season, you might get left behind in the things of God, in the next move of God, because God wants to challenge his people. Why? So he can change his people so we can move forward in the next thing. And are you ready for the word of God this morning? The book of Genesis. I want you to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Uh, starting with verse 3, then we're going to read 14 through 19. And then once you get your finger there, we're going to move over to a couple verses in Luke 11, 33 through 35. Genesis 1, uh, uh, 3, 14 through 19, then Luke 11, 33 through 35. That is my assignment this morning. How many are ready for the word? I feel one of them old school preachers coming on me, by the way. One of them sweaty, hollering preachers. So gear up, and if I spit on you, rub it in. I got antibodies. It works. It works. Amen. Amen. This is what the Word of God would say. Genesis 1, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
verse 14 then God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and for years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth to give light on earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and he made the stars also and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the day from the dark the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good and so the evening and the morning were the fourth day Luke 11 33 through 35 red letters the words of Jesus picks up the echo of Genesis 1 and says no one when he has lit a lamp puts it in a secret place or under a basket put on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light the light is the body of the eye the light is the body of the body is the eye therefore when your eye is good your whole body is full of light when your eye is bad your body is full of darkness listen to the prophetic warning of Jesus therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness oh let me say it again take heed he said that the light which is in you is not darkness so God sent this preacher this morning with a prophetic word to tell you that he is about to switch seasons he's about to move some things and I asked God how he's going to move God said in this next season tell my people I'm about to move things from dark to light that may not be for everybody but there's some people who walked in here in a dark season, in a dark place, in a dark moment. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. We are just about to move from dark to light. If you receive that word, come on, slip up your hands, Father. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for what I sense already. Speak in this room. Lord, let pain become power. Let truth prevail in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, shout amen. You can be seated. And as you're seated, look at somebody say, it's going to turn from dark to light if there's anything I believe that you must remember and continue to remain in is the truth of no matter what happened to us in 2020 that in 2021 we are still people of purpose yes we are that we are still people ordained and sent by God with purpose how do you know that we are people of purpose because we are the people who were made on purpose Yes, you were. You are the kind of person that is not happenstance. You're not a mistake. Uh, you're not what your parents did to you, and you're not what your mommy said about you. You are a person, watch this, made on purpose. Uh, when you hear that, I, that you are a person made on purpose, that should get you a little bit excited because that means no weapon formed against you, come on somebody, shall be able to prosper. When I begin to let you know that you were made on purpose, that means no matter what the devil would bring against you, what satanic forces would compile to bring against you no matter the accusation of hell because you have purpose you will prevail as long as your purpose remains in God you are not just people of purpose you are not just people on purpose you are not just people with purpose can I be real deep you are purpose Oh, that might be too deep for some of us in the room. But the truth is, yes, you have it. Yes, you were made on it. But the truth is, before eternity began, you were in God. And if you want to know what you were in God as, you were in God as purpose. That's why the devil hates you. 
because everything you are is sent to tear down everything he wants to do and if you would ever come into the realization that before time began you were in God as purpose and God waited oh yes he did he waited for just the right time and at just the right moment when he looked down and looked at how gifted you were and how anointed you were and what your life would carry at just the right time he pulled the purpose out which was you and breathed you into time and now you're on hell's hit list because you are a purpose that has become a person in the earth oh I wish I had some people in a church this morning that could give God some praise for purpose oh if he never blessed you with another thing the fact that he purposed your life is enough for you to praise him for the rest of your life the fact that you are not some mistake you are not your failures you are not what they did to you and you are not what they said about you but my friends you came from God and you came on purpose with purpose as purpose is enough for you to shout about and if you're thankful give God some praise for purpose in your life you are a purpose it's why the enemy hates you so much it's why he works so hard to make sure he would sabotage you how hard did he work pastor josh well he got back in your granddaddy and your great granddaddy and started planting seeds hoping that it would pollute the purpose that was you because he knew what you could do and knew what you might accomplish but i want to tell i feel like preaching y'all i want to tell every demonic force every demonic spirit i want to tell the devil himself you're too late Oh, y'all miss what I just said. I want to tell every demon you're too late. Uh, every demonic spirit, you're too late. Uh, you're too late. Why? Because I am here and I am present and I've got breath in my lungs. I've got blood running through my veins. Uh, my heart is pumping. My eyes are blinking. My throat is swallowing. I am alive and I am here. And I've got purpose, which makes me a threat to darkness. But it's deeper than personal purpose. Yes, you have purpose and you are purpose, but it's deeper than that because yes, you have personal purpose, but beyond personal purpose, there is corporate purpose. There is not just your purpose, there is our purpose. Oh, hallelujah. This is the purpose that slips in the body of Christ because we forget that we are called to be something, something in a body. No one member makes up the whole body. Come on, somebody. We are members of one body. That means we've got to know that God sent us here, connected us in this place through whatever circumstances because he understands that the scripture, every joint supplies, still works. You do know that every joint supplies is still a prophetic, powerful scripture in the Bible. God set it up that we would connect to one another and that the moment we learn how to connect with one another, something that, oh, hallelujah, would come from you to me and something would leave me and go to you. But when we would understand that one can put a thousand but two can put 10,000 to flight uh, because when we get together, then we can do something beyond ourselves. But it goes deeper because yes, you have your personal purpose and yes, we have our corporate purpose. But the truth is none of that matters because it's all subject to his purpose. You will find absolute freedom in your life when you learn how to bring your purpose under his. You'll find, you will find struggle, you'll find striving, you can even find heartache when you try to do what you're called to do outside of God. Are you, is this too deep this morning? But if you can learn how to take all that you are and all that we are and put it under all that he is, 
Then you'll finally figure out in the book of Romans that when you were called, you weren't called according to your purpose. You're not called according to Calvary's purpose. Ultimately, we were called according to his purpose. God has a purpose. God has something he is trying to do. And if I could define it, which is not in my notes, I would tell you that ultimately God wants to bring man back to himself and heaven back to earth. <laughs> Let me say it again. He wants men to come back to himself, but ultimately God wants heaven to come back to earth. Sometimes we sit in an escape theology. We just holding out until he takes us out of this harmful world. This sinful world. But what if I told you the only reason he ain't come back yet is because we haven't made the difference yet in the earth that would allow him to come back. That's why Jesus said when you pray, pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God's got a purpose. But beyond the personal nuances of your personal purpose and our corporate purpose, please understand there are attributes and aspects that every believer must accurately represent to properly reflect the body. I know that was deep, and so I'm not going to say it again. I said no matter the personal nuances of everybody's personal purpose and our corporate purpose, there are still aspects and attributes that we all must carry to properly reflect him and his body. Attributes and aspects that every believer must have. Attributes and aspects like love. See how quiet it just got? Love. And I'm not talking about phileo love and brotherly love. I'm talking about holy love, agape love. Because agape love is different than brotherly love. Because when God sets out to love somebody, he loves somebody until that love comes back the way he gave it. And he will not stop loving until that love returns. Oh, I don't know about you, but let it never be said of us that we stopped loving people just because people didn't do what we wanted them to do. It smacks in the face of a whole cancel culture that says, if you don't do it like I want you to do it, then I will cancel you out of my life. I will stop loving you. If you don't post like I want you to post, if you don't talk like I want you to talk, act like I want you to act, then I will give up love and use that kind of thing to, to maybe get you back right. The devil is a liar. We've got to be the kind of people in the earth that keeps on loving people no matter what they sound like, no matter what they do, no matter what they post. I'm going to keep on loving you because agape love says I love until that love returns. Am I helping anybody this morning? Deeper than love, we must also reflect, watch this, holiness. Oh, and if love was quiet, holiness was even more quiet. You don't hear about holiness anymore. You don't hear sermons, preachers preaching about holy. Because somewhere along the way, we thought it was cool if we called God down off of his standards to come into ours. But what if I told you God will forever be holy? Oh, help me do it, Holy Ghost. What if I told you God will forever be set apart? There is no God like him. He is holy. He is the standard. Who he is is the standard. And it's not his job to come down. It's our job to come up into holiness and say, make me like you no matter what it costs me. God, get us back to being a holy people. God, get us back to saying holiness is not some Christian cuss word, but it's something we prescribe to. It's the very nature, the attribute of God. And God, as long as I stay connected to you, being connected to you makes holiness. It's not something I have to perform. It's something I become. 
Attributes like love, aspects like holiness. But the one I came for today, the one I believe is the most important in the hour. Can I preach it like I feel it? The one I believe is the most important in the hour which we live is light. Because after all, God is light. It's amazing to me that God has such a high view of humanity, but humanity has such a low view of light. Because when God got ready to make the biggest impact he would ever make in the course of scripture, he did not say, let there be love. And he did not say, let there be holiness. And he did not say for all of our Pentecostal folks, let there be power and fire and anointing. When God got ready to make a difference, God said, let there be light. Because love is God's, God's method of influence, but light is God's method of impact. When God wants to influence anything, he influences it with his love. But when God gets ready to make a difference in something, he does it with light. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, he does it through light. He's looking for some people. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that in the hour in which we live, God is looking for a luminescent people to rise again and understand that part of your identity in Christ is not to be anything else, anything else other than light itself. God never meant for it just as for him to say, let there be light. He meant for it to be, let you become the light that he let. <laughs> Which means this, you have to understand that in scripture, there is a progressive revelation. Am I helping anybody this morning? A progressive revelation of light then. Because God just doesn't give us the, the, the idea and leave us. He gives it to us progressively. In other words, the first thing we learn about God is that God, the impact of God is light. Why is the impact of God light? Because God himself is light. God is light. Secondarily then in the revelation, we slide into the idea that though God is light, Jesus came as light. That Jesus did more than share his life with us. He shared his light with us. Oh, come on, somebody. How do you know that, Pastor Josh? Because in the book of John, it says, in him was the life. And the life was the light of men. So God is light. Jesus comes as light. And then Jesus stands up and says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Because the expectation is that you would receive the light and that you would do with it in the earth as he has already done with it in himself in eternity and in heaven. But there is a chasm, and that's where I came to preach today. There is a chasm between the is and as and the we are. We are the words, in other words, we must become light. The chasm often in the life of the believer is not that you don't know that you are called to be light, it's that you have not become the light you are called to be. Why then are we making the difference? Why aren't we being as effective as we were, as we should be, according to Scripture? Perhaps the reason we are not effective is that we have not become light. Oh, it's quiet in here. It's quiet. Watch this then. Then Jesus in Luke 11 begins to tell us that if it is God's purpose to make an impact, through light, through you. Jesus says, you must become light. And Luke 11 begins to take us in the process 
of how one bridges the gap between is and as and are. He says, oh, it's a rebuke. He says, no one, verse 33, no one when he has lit a lamp puts it in a secret place under a basket, put on a lampstand, watch this, so that those who come in may see the light. This is a stern rebuke to every person that would have light in their life. Because here's what I want you to know. This is the deep part of the message, if you're taking notes. I want you to know that in those four verses, 33 through 36 in Luke 11, watch this. The word light is used six times. One word light is used six times, watch this, in five different Greek words. Five different words for one word light in, in those verses. And when you come into verse 33, Jesus starts to tell us, this is how you become light. This is how you become a luminescent force in the earth. He says, no man that would have this kind of thing, he said, no man would hide it. No man would hide it. The word light here in the Greek is the word fingos. Maybe they'll say, yeah, fingos. It means generic light. What Jesus is saying is, it wouldn't be a shame that even if you had the most basic of light, he said it would be a shame if you hid it. It would be a shame that even if you had the most basic of anointing, basic of gift, basic of relationship with God, if you had the most standard, it would be a shame that if you had the light, you hid the light from people who were trying to find the light. And I know this in popular preaching, but I came to tell you we live in a dark world with people who have dark minds and dark hearts who are waiting to be enlightened and illuminated. And God forbid that we would claim to have light and then hide the light we claim to have. Because it is possible to hide it, but what's worse is, what would be worse is if you wasted it? Help me do it. Because I know people who are in church. I know people who are around light, but don't have any. Oh, this is good this morning. I know people who can sing the songs. I know people who can shout and dance. I know people who can be around people with light and never have light in their own. How do you know, Pastor Josh? Because I've watched people shout. I've watched people dance. I've watched people fall out, and they're still mean. Don't, don't, look, don't look too hard down your row. I've watched people do all these things in churchy, be churchy, and still walk out and cuss out their neighbor and gifts and not be nice to the person that takes their order at the restaurant. The devil is a liar. God, don't, we don't want to just be the people that highlight. We don't want to waste the light that if you've given us any light at all, let us let there be, oh hallelujah. Let us be the kind of people that stand in every situation and say, let there be light. He says, if you've got it, shine it. Don't hide it from anybody. He says that's the first part of the process of becoming light. It's to know that your light has been given to you to make an impact on darkness. Your light has been given to you so that somebody outside of the light can come to the light via the light that you shine. That is how it all starts, with the right motive in the right mind. But then he steps down deeper. Verse 34, are you still with me this morning? Verse 34 says the lamp or the light in the King James, the light of the body is the eye. Now, most, pre most, most preachers, most people will leave these kind of verses alone because they're hard to understand. Come on, somebody. You ever read a verse that was just hard to understand? 
You just highlight it and move on. Come on, somebody. We, we move away from this not knowing that this is doctrine on another level. This is transformational doctrine. You have to be willing to at least try to understand these texts. He said the light of the body is the eye. In verse 33, it's fingos. But when we step down into verse 34, light is translated as luknos. Luknos is still generic, but it means a beam of light. Oh, hallelujah. Because you should, as you grow up in God, you should move from having generic light that you shine just anywhere to all of a sudden as you grow up in God, your light should change to being focused. He said, he said you ought to get to the place in your life where you stop fighting every battle. Oh. Because that's some of us, is we have no energy because we're spending energy everywhere. We're not effective because we spend our whole life trying to fight battles that God never called us to win. And by the way, is it victory? Is it victory if you win in a battle you were never called to fight? God said, Jesus said, if you're trying to learn how to make a difference and an impact with the light that I give you, at some point in time, you're going to have to take all this light and focus it on something. If you can find what God called you to focus on, then your light will never lose. Oh, y'all missed what I just said. I said, if you can find what your life is supposed to be focused on, then your light will never lose when you shine it in that direction. He says, he says, you can get to the place, he said, watch this, that the light, the lukedos is a focused light. Which means this, if we're going to have to be focused in 2021, we're going to have to learn how to put away petty. Priest, Pastor Josh, that was good. I said, we're going to have to learn how to put away petty. Petty people have too much time on their hands. I don't have enough time in a day to finish my business and be in yours at the same time. Oh, that's so good. If I set the microphone down, you can leave and get a word from God right there because I'm coming to tell you with the forces of darkness that we are dealing with in the time in which we are in, we don't have time to be in everybody else's business trying to work everybody else. We've got to take what God is doing in us and focus it at the thing God has called us to focus on, knowing that when we focus it right, uh, there will be light uh, and there will be life uh, and we will have impact greater than ourselves i wish i had some people at an 11 15 service that said god i'm ready focus me focus me on what i'm called to do focus me on what you made me for i'm ready for my light to become luknos the luknos of the body is the eye can i go deeper the luknos of the body is the eye the greek word you didn't know you were coming to seminary class today did you the luknos of the body is the eye the word I in the Greek is the word ophthalmos. Ophthalmos. I want you to notice here, I want you to notice here that he did not say that the light of the body is the eyes. Because he's not talking about sight. See, see, we, they used to preach this text to me in youth group, and it scared me. They would use this text to get in your face and be like, you're 13. You better be careful what you're watching. You better watch what you're looking at. 
And it's a good message, and it's a right message. It's just not the proper message from this text. Because the truth is, he's not talking about eyes. He is talking about eye. He is not talking about sight. He is talking about vision. He is not talking about sight. He is talking about, watch this, don't miss it, perspective. He is saying that the light of the body is perspective. Oh, oh this will change your life forever if you get it in your spirit. He's saying that it is, is a futile effort to watch this, to try to discipline your eye without ever converting your perspective. There are so many of us that want to discipline the eye, but we've never converted our perspective, knowing that if our perspective was right, our eye would be right. We would never look at what we're not called to look at because we know that that's not what this kind of mind looks at. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why he said in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He, he said, if you got this kind of mind, you'll see how I see and you'll see like I see and you'll see what I see because if there's anything I want to have in 2021 is 2020 vision of the kingdom. Oh, are you hearing me in this room? I said, if there's anything I want in 2021, it's 2020 vision with the kingdom of God. I want to see like he sees and how he sees. Because the moment I see like he sees, how he sees, I can stand over any circumstance and say, let there be, let there be light. The lugnos of the body is the ophthalmos. The lugnos of the body the Greek word for the body. Y'all still with me? It's the word soma. And it doesn't just mean your physical body. It means a society of bodies. In other words, what Jesus is trying to say to us is that if you're trying to figure out how to become the kind of light that pushes back every kind of darkness, he said, you are going to have to have the right perspective. When you have the right perspective, then we as a body can push back on darkness. Oh, come on somebody. No matter how great or how little the darkness is, if we got this kind of light, we can tell cancer, goodbye. When we have this kind of light, we can speak to rebellion and say, goodbye. When we have this kind of light, we can speak to addiction, we can speak to the issues of our day, and we can say, let there be light. When we get this kind of light, it won't be about what Fox News says or CNN says. Come on, somebody. It won't be about what a broadcaster says or a newscaster says. It'll be about a group of people who finally got the light they were supposed to have and just walking up in their job, let there be light. Walking up in their family, let there be light. Why? Because we had the right perspective in the Bible that made us full of light just look at somebody say let there be light let there be light let there be light in you let there be light in your husband let there be light in your mama let there be light in your kids let there be light over every Calvary Christian campus over this central location I declare in the name of Jesus let there be lugnos the lugnos of the soma Here's the ophthalmos. Oh, is this too deep this morning? What he's trying to say is, if our perspective is right, light rides the wind of right perspective. Light rides the winds when you see right. You don't fight for light, you are light. Can I go deeper? 
He then says, 34, and I may not get out of anything else but 34 today, and that's all right in Jesus' name. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, once you get that down, therefore, when the eye is good, good. King James says single. When the eye is unified, when the perspective is right, he says, watch this. When the eye is good, single, it's the Greek word haplous. Haplous means whole, healthy, and right, and good. Let, let me ask you a question. How is your perspective? How do you see circumstances and situations? Because the truth is, your reaction is your perspective unleashed. I always know your perspective by your reactions. Oh my goodness. I always know how you feel about a situation by how, oh hallelujah, how you see a thing by how you react to a thing. What Jesus is saying is we have to maintain and keep the right perspective to maintain and keep our light because we will lose our light if our light becomes any kind of dark because our dark was wrong perspective. Light becomes dark when perspective goes bad. Is that too heavy? I said light becomes dark when perspective goes bad. Therefore, if thine eye be single, hapless, if it's healthy, it's not just seeing the right thing, it's seeing like he sees and seeing how he sees, which is why you've got to be people of his presence and people of his word. Now, I know that might have been too, too, too easy for y'all to get, but I'm tell, I want to tell you this morning that the presence of God and the Word of God are still a force in the kingdom of God, that when people of God are attached to presence and they're in Word, oh, hallelujah, their perspective cannot deviate too far from where it's supposed to be. You still getting this? The light of the body is the eye. If thine eye be single, thy whole body is full of light. And I say all that to get here. You can play softly. If we were talking about darkness here from the perspective of what you look at, then darkness here is sin. But we're not talking about what you look at. We're talking about perspective. And if we're going to keep a right perspective, and we're going to have a God-type perspective to change the world and impact the community that we're in and the world we live in, Watch this. Then darkness here would simply mean poor theology. Pastor Josh, what do you mean by when you say poor theology? Are you talking about a class you take in seminary? No. Poor theology. Theology means the study or the view of God. In other words, what Jesus is saying is nothing counters or cancels the light like poor theology. Nothing cancels or counters the light Watch this, like a poor perspective of God the Father. In America, we love Jesus. Oh, we sure do. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Is there anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, the, the, the intercessor of, that's named Jesus? Are you thankful for Jesus? What if I told you that the world loves our Jesus? Well, if they love our Jesus and you love your Jesus, then why are we not making a difference? 
perhaps we are not full of light because we have lost the proper perspective of God the Father. In the Western world, we love our Jesus, but many despise God the Father. Help me do it, Lord. We despise and we see God the Father as this Old Testament austere, angry God that is ready to zap us if we do something wrong, ready to let go of us if we do something wrong. And what have I told you? It is that poor perspective that is canceling and counteracting the light of our gospel. You cannot see Jesus that way and not see the Father that way. The Father is who Jesus was. Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. I don't do anything outside of what I've seen my Father do. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that we have divorced the Father and the Son. And in doing so, we have created a theology that has let us be less enlightened. We have an angry Father and a loving Son. And we've forgotten that before we ever got here in time, got here in the world, got here, God simply was in eternity, but he was not alone. Woo! He was not alone in a perfect perichoresis of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God didn't just become love. God was always love. Well, where was he putting that love? He was loving his son. Oh, hallelujah. In eternity past, how he would love his children in eternity future. Let me tell you, the same love that Jesus received in eternity is the same love that God the Father is giving to his children. You and I, in this very moment as believers, sons and daughters. God will never be anything else other than love. He will never be anything else other than light. And at some point in time, that our eye be single, hapless, we must learn how to be woven, connected, in a perfect union with God himself. Can I be deep and be done? Hapless, single, unified, good, healthy. But if you break hapless down, it is the word ha pleco. Ha pleco. Ha is a term of union, meaning that God wants his light to be interwoven with his children in a perfect union so that we display the light that we get from him. It all comes in union. Ha is a term of union. Pleco, watch this, means braided or woven. Can I be real deep and be done? There is only one other time in Scripture that you can lay the word pleco over in the Old, Test Old Testament and find its replacement word, only once. It's in a famous Scripture, Isaiah 40, 31. You know the Scripture. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Watch this. What he's trying to say is, Jesus is saying that this is called weaving. But Isaiah said, this is called waiting. God says you can't separate the waiting and the weaving when it comes to getting my perspective. In other words, if God ever made you wait, it's only because he was trying to weave. Oh, hallelujah. He was trying to braid his perspective to your perspective. 
If God was ever making you wait on any situation and you go, God, where are you? Why haven't you answered me? It's only because the waiting wasn't waiting. The waiting is weaving. And this is what I know. When God comes in your life, some of the most significant encounters you will ever have with God when you first encounter him is when he comes into your life to first unbraid and unweave every wrong idea that you have about yourself, that you have about him, Oh, I have to thank him that sometimes in an altar, it wasn't me falling out, but sometimes it was him telling me, you are not what your daddy did. You are not what your past says you are. You're not what those people said about you. And God will spend a significant investment. I feel the anointing. A significant investment to unwind and take down and unbraid every wrong perspective you have. Every time you looked at God and said, God, I don't like you. God, I hate you. God, where are you? And by the way, by the way, don't think that Jesus was estranged from that. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But in between Father and Father, the perspective dropped at some point in time when he was taking on the sin of humanity. And he didn't say our Father. He said, my God. My God, because what is it oh, about humanity? When we, lose our, when we lose our good theology, our proper perspective of God, we don't see him as Father. We just see him as some nebulous cosmic being that might be able to fix it. But the devil is a liar. I declare that God is about to redeem the time. How is he going to redeem the time? As it begins to rewind the perspective, change the perspective. And as he does, you are going to come into a fresh revelation of God. God said, the first investment I make is unweaving and unwinding. He said, the only reason I do it, he said, is so that I can get you to a place where I can begin to wind and braid myself and my perspective and my thoughts and my feelings and the way I think about you and the way I love you. I'll begin to braid and weave myself so intimately with you where people can't tell where I start and you stop. I'm looking for the kind of encounter that gets my perspective with yours. Let me show you what I mean practically. Lord, eight years ago, Lord, I want to be a daddy. Lord, I want to be a dad so bad. Natasha and I would lay and we would lay on the ground and we would weep uncontrollably because we love the Lord. I was preaching across the world, thousands and thousands of people standing on stages, but really the desire of my heart was I wanted to be a daddy. Doctor's reports came, nothing changed, nothing moved. Eight years, eight years. I thought, my perspective, you were going to get miraculously pregnant carry the child, deliver the child, God was going to get the glory. But my perspective was not God's perspective because I saw it coming that way. God saw a little girl in the panhandle who has a future and a destiny and a promise. And it was God's perspective that I would become her daddy. So eight years of God every service, unwinding my perspective, unwinding my thoughts, 
unwinding the way I thought it had to be so that on August 8th, 2019, my perspective can merge with God's perspective. And when my perspective touched God's perspective, God stood over top of a situation that seemed impossible, that doctors said would never happen. And God looked over that situation with an entwined perspective. And God screamed through the cosmos, let there be light. And when there was light, I said, when there was light, there was an answer. When there was light, there was destiny and purpose. I came to tell somebody we are coming into a season that God is about to shift your life. He's about to answer your prayer. How's he going to do it? He's going to take you from dark to light. He's going to take a people who have been in darkness and turn them into a marvelous, marvelous, powerful, incredible light. And I dare somebody who's ready to move from dark to light to jump up on your feet, lift up your hands, and yell to heaven, let there be Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to, but God is in this moment. He's unwinding every wrong idea, every wrong perspective. I don't know who I'm talking to. Slip up your hands. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light over your child, over your mind, over your body. Let there be breakthrough in Jesus' name. Let there be light. Oh. Don't miss this revelation. He said, when the eye is single, then you can be woven together with me in such a way that no matter the circumstance, the pain, the problem, you simply stand as me and declare, let there be light. I sense in the room this morning, there's some people who haven't heard from God in a long time you've asked God to answer situations and it doesn't seem like God's come through and you're about to give up on God you're about to give up on faith but I hear the Lord whispering in my spirit that he is just about to unwind every wrong idea every wrong perspective and begin to braid. Lift up your hands. I sense the anointing. Shoo. I don't know what you need God to touch. I don't know what you need God to minister to. But I dare you just to close your eyes and get real with God for a second. I see tears streaming down people's faces. I know what it's like to want it to happen and it not happen. I know what it's like to feel the pain of God not answering a prayer. But I came to tell you, I hear it in my spirit. God is about to release light. Every hand lifted. I dare you just to open up your mouth right now. Come on and just begin to talk to God about that situation and that circumstance that you need an answer on. Let him unbraid every wrong perspective. Let him weave every right revelation. Come on, as you do, come on, Pastor John. As we do, as we do, let's lift our voices and our hands and let's declare, we know you can light it up. The darkest night, you can light it up. You can Come on, light I it up. I don't know what you need from God. I don't know what you need from God. Let hope arise. Death is overcome. 
sense something distinct and unique in this service compared to nine. I feel like I'm in the room with some disappointed, hurting people. I was standing up here praying just while they were singing. And there are people who are living, not just discouraged, you're living out faith disappointed. And can I tell you, without the right perspective, it is possible to be disappointed in God. But with the right perspective, even your worst days, the promise that he who has begun a good work is faithful to bring it to completion. Even on your worst days, with the right perspective, what the enemy meant for evil, God turns for good. You're in this room. I just want to speak to this specifically. I feel this so strong. Every head bowed for just a moment. I want to speak to disappointed people. You love God. You serve God. You have a heart for God. But right now, if you were to be honest, you're living disappointed in some place in your faith. If I'm talking to you on the count of three, just slip up your hand. One, two, three. Jesus. Something didn't go like you thought it was going to go. Jesus. Jesus. Just keep your hand up for a second. Everything you've been walking through that has stole time, stole peace, stole joy. Every time you felt confused, worried, and wearied, the Holy Spirit sent me to you to tell you He knows where you are. And He told me to tell you He's about to release light. There's the anointing. I speak light. <sighs> Let there be light. There's the glory of the Lord on you. I came to tell you answers are on the way. God is about to speak into your life. He singled you out. He knows where you are. Not another day of weariness or worrying. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on, slip up your hands, everybody. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. If somebody near you has their hand lifted, would you just reach over and put your hand on their shoulder if you feel comfortable? I feel, listen, I hear tears happening all across. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Let there be light. Light. Let there be light. Are you ready to help me pray? For every person in delay, the word of the Lord to you today is, 
It's not waiting. It's weaving. It's weaving. God said, let me put my mind in you. Let me put my perspective about the situation in you. This is a completely different turn from the first service, but I sense the anointing of God so strong. Are you ready to help me? You get to put your hand on somebody's shoulder. And I want you to begin to pray one for another. And I want you to declare, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, begin to pray across this room. I speak over disappointment. I just speak over worry, anxiety. I speak over anxiety. I speak to fear. I speak to every voice that's not the voice of God and I rebuke that voice in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I turn down the volume on voices that would contradict the nature of the Father. God is love. God is light. And He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Right down your aisle right now. Right in your row right now. The Spirit of God is moving right there where you are. Come on, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. I come into agreement with the Word of the Lord. And this appointment lifts off of your life. There is a confidence coming to your spirit that he who has begun is bringing it to completion. God has never gotten an incomplete on his report card. God finishes what he starts. And with the right perspective, I declare, let there be light. Real soft for a second. Can, can I just do some ministry? I feel the anointing. There is something on this word. There, there is more to the sermon, but the Holy Spirit stopped me dead right there with the braiding and the weaving. I want to speak to something. I want to speak to something. The Lord told me this morning to pray for people who are battling anxiety. Anxiety. If you're battling anxiety, I don't want you to wait. There is a breakthrough for you. I want you to meet me at this altar on the count of three. You have been fighting anxious thoughts, and it's affecting everything you do. You're afraid to go out, you're afraid to move, but you are fighting and facing anxiety. There is a breakthrough in this room just for you, and I, I don't want to disobey God. Is that all right? I don't want to disobey the Lord. So if I'm talking to you on the count of three, get here. One, two, three. If I'm talking to you, come, 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 come. Oh, 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 oh God. of you who have never battled it anxiety is a force to be reckoned with anxiety can mess everything up all in one moment it can stop you dead in your tracks 
It can breed fear. And the reason why so many people here have tears in their eyes is because they are full of purpose. And there is nothing worse than being full of purpose and having anxiety hold you back from fulfilling it. Can we just pray in the Holy Ghost for a second before I pray for these people? Come on, begin to pray in the Spirit all across this room. Come on, begin to pray in the Spirit. I'm not holding up the service. I'm obeying the Lord. I had a whole nother angle to take this text, but God has stopped me right here. I want some of the Calvary staff to get ready to help me pray for people. sweetie I know what it's like to have so much on the inside and be dealing with so much in the mind father I want you to stretch your hands this way if you could father in the name of Jesus let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus God, you are changing the perspective. Oh, there he is. Peace is coming. Joy is coming. Now, there is the glory of the Lord. I want the Calvary staff to help me pray. The glory of the Lord is already touching. Can you help me, church? Can you help me pray? I want all of us in this room begin to pray like it, like it was your son, like it was your daughter. Come on, pray like it was your husband. In the name of Jesus, now I know I was drawn to you. Now I know I come into agreement with everything God has ever said, with everything he's ever spoken. I come into agreement with all the promises for your life. And I declare anxiety is peace and joy come in the name of Jesus. Now, I pray, I pray a release. Come on, saints, don't stop praying. I pray a release over every worry, over every fear, over every anxiety. God, I pray over my brother. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, the right perspective. And I loose the glory of God on his life. I loose the anointing. The anointing makes the difference. The anointing makes the difference. You've carried it too long. You've carried it for too long. I lose it now. I lose it now. I lose it now. I lose it now. I lose you now. Come on, church. Where's something? I feel breakthrough happening. Pastor John had it right. There's victory in this house today. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be a part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can give at calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also for you to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. Again, thank you for joining us.